Hey, Dale. Got a new assignment for you. Vacation. Uh, thanks, boss. Y you mean it? You betcha. Self-care is good for business. Sometimes things just get better. Like AT&T. We've invested more than $150 million to grow our wireless network coverage to over 99% of Nebraska. Visit att.com slash Nebraska and learn how to get a free smartphone when you switch to AT&T. Coverage not available everywhere. Over 99% coverage based on third-party data. Network investments based on 2018 through 2020 expenditure. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And I am back. You guys can relax. You don't have to indulge Brendan for another 45 straight minutes or whatever it was the other day. Please. But we are coming to you on a Wednesday evening. And finally, finally, Brendan, the 30-day stretch without a scheduled off day is over. The Cubs do not play tomorrow. Today, if you are listening to this on Thursday morning, we get a baseball free day. The guys do not have to show up to the ballpark. Anthony Rizzo finally gets to take his uniform off because, Brendan, I am choosing to believe that he has still not taken it off uh, since they traveled to Washington. But all told, it went pretty well. They started the 30-day stretch up two and a half games in the division, and with Milwaukee beating the Reds on Wednesday night, they finish two and a half games up in the division. They still have the National League's best record, and the only two series they lose during that period are those two with the Brewers, where they drop two of three. That is, I'm still technically counting that Washington makeup game as part of that uh, four-game series, so technically that's a split. Mm -hmm. But they beat some good pitchers. We've talked about that a lot. And uh, now that we find ourselves on the off day, we have 10 days left in this season. The Cubs on their way back to Chicago right now where they will play. Brendan, I'm, I'm looking at the schedule here. Apparently there's another baseball team in the city of Chicago that the Cubs will be visiting. On Friday, I'm not sure what that's in reference to, uh, but it's not at Wrigley Field, so you guys will have to figure that one out yourself. Uh, but we don't really acknowledge uh, another baseball team in the city of Chicago here. But we'll get into everything coming up and you know where the Cubs stand now that they have finished this off-dayless stretch. Let's run through these Diamondback games real quick. We have two really good games uh, to start the series on Monday and Tuesday, finally getting a glimpse of that Cubs offense that we have not seen in what feels uh, like many moons, Brendan, and then a bit of a clunker on Wednesday, which, as you guys know, we talk about this a lot. The Cubs are very fond of dropping that uh, final day game, even when they've won the first two, just so we all get that little bad taste in our mouths, uh, even though they won the series. 
and beat a very good pitcher on Monday in Patrick Corbin. It was Kyle Hendricks getting his 12th win of the year in a 5-1 to Cubs victory. The big blast in this one was Javier Baez. You may have heard of him or you may know him by his alias, El Mago. His 32nd of the year put the Cubs up 3 to nothing, and as you saw with his visceral reaction to hitting the home run. It was a bit of a a release, a pent-up release for the Cubs offense uh, when that ball sailed over the fence. We also get Chris Bryant's first home run since July 20th. I couldn't believe it when Pat Hughes said it. His 12th of the year made it five to nothing. It was an oppo shot. Good to see the power still in that bat for Chris, even with the shoulder problems all year. AJ Pollock would homer in the ninth to make it five to one, but all told a very nice baseball game for the Chicago Cubs. Kyle Hendricks comes just short of pitching a complete game and uh, a few batters short of a complete game shutout. He goes eight and two-thirds, three hits, one earned, one walk, and eight strikeouts. I believe, Brendan, forgive, forgive me if I'm misquoting this, but I believe you said it was the best you have seen him look this season. The best, hands down. Sometimes I do listen when Brendan talks uh, or texts me things. On Tuesday, the Cubs winning 9-1. to This one a little easier. The Cubs jump out in the first, and they do not look back. Guess who? Javi Baez with homer number 33. Another two-run shot made it 2 to nothing in the first. In the top of the second, Ian Happ with an RBI double. And Daniel Murphy remembering how to hit his 11th home run of the year made it 5 to nothing. Some more Cubs offense in the top of the fifth. A Rizzo single, a Wilson Contreras groundout, and an Albert Almora Jr. sack fly give you the nine runs. Mike Montgomery was fantastic in this one. Brendan wrote about it, and I'm sure he will have a bit to say. He picks up his fifth win of the year, six innings, four hits, one earned, one walk, and eight strikeouts for Mike. Alec Mills, also very good in relief in this game. Two clean innings, no hits, no runs, no walks, and three strikeouts. So always good to see. Brandon Kinsler as well with a clean one inning of work. No hits, no runs, no walks, and a strikeout. So good to see some of those uh, maybe last man in bullpen guys kind of starting to step up a little bit here as the opportunities present themselves. I will keep it brief on Wednesday's game. Cole Hamels, uh, a bit of a clunker. He was probably due for that as he has been excellent with the Chicago Cubs since coming over from the Texas Rangers. His season ERA now at 3.90. He goes six innings, allowing nine hits and seven earned runs. It was not a good outing for Cole. He gets taken deep a few times. And the Cubs offense, let me put it to you this way, guys. If I told you that Addison Russell was the only person with a hit for the Cubs tonight, I think, no offense to Addison, that should give you an idea of how the evening went. So uh, that was that nine to nothing in the final. So Brendan, I'm done talking for the moment. Uh, since you hosted the last podcast, I figured I'd indulge myself a little bit. You know, maybe run on a little longer uh, just to hear myself talk because it's you know it's been a week since I, I've gotten to sit in front of this microphone. But we're finally done with this 30 day stretch. Um, the Cubs beat some really good pitchers. They beat some good teams. They win a lot of series and. To leave such a stretch like that, where you ultimately thought you'd have an off day that's then taken away, you have to fly all over the place, all over the country, 
to remain two and a half games up. The magic number sits at eight with 10 games to go. I think that there are probably universes out there where that trip goes a lot worse. So I would say things uh, pretty good right about now. Well, uh, welcome back, Corey. I got to say, like you said last time, the show is better with uh, two people doing this. So I hate to say it, but uh, I think everyone else is right. Okay, this series, <laughs> this series probably, you exclude that last game, obviously, but all things considered, probably a pretty good surprise for all of us, at least for me. I mean, you fly across the West Coast, historically in Chase Field, it's been a hard place to play in because of that, and they take two of three, and they gain a game on Milwaukee, two and a half up. Uh, the offense awakened Hendricks best start of the season. Probably Montgomery continues to impress with his whiffs and the amount of off speed pitches he's throwing all things considered Corey. This is almost an ideal outcome. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, again, it's, it's just something that they seem to do sometimes where they drop this last one, but to, Take two of three here. Again, you beat Patrick Corbin on Monday, who has been very good this year. And yeah, again, you know, you're traveling all over the place. I think that, you know, especially considering that this was sort of a last ditch effort, if you will, for the Diamondbacks, I, you know, was pleasantly surprised in those first two games that we got, you know, kind of um, not necessarily laughers, but you know, relatively easy going, like the Cubs get some early offense and I forgot you know, what that was like too. It, it feels like it's yeah, been like what, a year since we had a game like that. I mean, exaturated. I mean, when know, they but... scored the, I think it was like the eighth run in the, in Tuesday's game to go up eight to one. I was like, it fe- literally feels like they're up a hundred to nothing right now. I mean, <laughs> even is... when they got five, when they went up five, nothing in that second game, I'm like, Oh, this is it. This is, uh, it feels like we're up a thousand and nothing. It was insane. They're back. The They're offense back. is back. They're back. But since, you know, since as we as we jump out of this here, I, I think that is one of the things that I think was a major takeaway in this series. I think there's a couple things that, that really jump out to you, but obviously Javi continuing to do his thing. Uh, but just in general, the offense looking more like themselves and, and, and doing some of those things that we have become accustomed to them doing, you know, working uh, high pitch counts for the opposing pitchers, putting together really good battles, uh, hitting home runs. It it just looked a lot more like the Cubs offense that we are used to. You know, I mean, I I think one thing that, you know, you want to point out for sure is that 17 pitch at bat by Anthony Rizzo before Javi Baez hits uh, the home run. And, you know, that's just the kind of stuff that we've gotten used to with this team where you just see them like absolutely wearing out the opposing pitcher. And that's what we saw uh, from the the Rizzo-Baez tandem in that game. I think Daniel Murphy, good to see him break out of that that slump that he was in. Um, You know, he had several hitless games. And so good to see him, you know, getting home run, getting some base hits, you know, being more involved in the offense like that. And... I, I think the Bryant home run is, you know, one of the the bigger takeaways. Was that from your biggest takeaway? Like, who were you no. most impressed by this series? You know, Chris Bryant is still going to hit for a high batting average. He's still going to get on base at a very successful clip, and he's still going to hit doubles, triples because he is very fast, as he's uh, once pointed out to everybody. 
and he's an elite base runner. But when you add that power in, obviously, as we've seen, he is literally one of, if not the best players in Major League Baseball. So to see him go oppo and and get on the board like that, I, I, I just think was very exciting, I guess. But I going back to your question, I would say that he, he does strike out twice in this game and doesn't get any hits. I'm I'm not positive if I came across why he was catching Hamels, even though Caratini's been the one uh to catch him since he joined the Cubs. But I would say it was Wilson Contreras. He had some really well struck balls in this yeah. series. And I think several times in his demeanor, his approach, and, uh, you know, obviously the batted ball results, it it just looked, I, I hate to keep saying things look more like, you know, we, we expect them to, but he just hit some balls with some real authority. And it was just good to see, you know, you go back to the one over the weekend, uh, the double that, you know, everybody, you know, the much maligned uh, standing in the box, whatever. But, you know, all lost in that, I think, a little bit is that was a really well-struck ball. So I think you combine that with, you know, a a solid at least appearance in these first two games. um, I would say that that is the most important thing for me. And, you know, I think he only has one hit in this series. So don't just look at the hits. It's a matter of he has been making a ton of weak contact uh, for a good portion of this season leading up until, you know, this 30-day stretch. And even just a few days of him hitting the ball with authority, I, I think, is a really good sign. Yeah, I think that that probably is mine, too. But I, I'm going to go with Brian, that homer, just because not only did he go oppo, but that was a laser, man. Like, I, I don't even recall the last time Brian hit an oppo homer like on that trajectory. So of course, seeing Wilson good um, and getting his groove back and his rhythm back, you can definitely tell he's a little comfortable at the plate compared to last week. But at the end of the day, you need KB's power back in this lineup. Come playoff time, having that three or four hole hitter going at the right time is necessary. Yeah, so to jumble things a little bit, but I, I just want to throw this out there since we're we're always fond, I think, of keeping perspective a little bit. But can you believe, Brendan, that we are here on – we are recording this on September 19th. The Cubs yeah. are two and a half games up in the NL Central. They have an eight magic number to clinch the NL Central. They still have the NL's best record. Uh, you Darvish is out for the season pitched what like 40 innings tyler chatwood was one of the worst things i've ever seen uh chris bryant as i just mentioned hit his first homer the other day since july 20th brandon morrow we learned uh i believe yesterday he will not come back at all this season and that is not the same diagnosis as pedro strope who was said to be out for the regular season we'll see about the playoffs brandon morrow is done shut down uh was still feeling some stuff in that elbow That's and impressive. just not getting better so yeah I, I i know you know we were not necessarily uh holding out dear hope that he would be back in that closer role but still that is the news but brendan 
it's a it's a testament we 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 praise Joe Madden all the time and you know the the front office for the depth that they've created but that is an awful lot to overcome and i think for them to be in this position with 10 days left in the season you, you know insane. you want to take a yeah you want to take a step <laughs> back and just say like you know job well done boys well, i mean he, we're not done with the season here but i mean they have navigated some real muddy waters and they're in a good position well, even last week when we recorded uh, you and I the last time, a complete polar opposite reaction, right? Like a week ago, you're half a game up. You're in the midst of probably your worst offensive stretch, and they do this. They fly across the country. They take two of three from a, a team who's also competing for a playoff spot. Like that that's impressive. Uh, and to, to show up and to hit like that, things do change in a week. But overall, like this team has the best record in the National League. I mean, I don't think anyone would have predicted that, just given Chris Bryant only hitting 12 homers. Morrow basically out the, half the year. Darvish completely gone, right? So, yes, perspective is necessary, and I think it is a testament to how Joe Madden has managed over the last month, two months, getting guys in, getting guys out. Yeah, so I think, you know, since we talked a little bit about Morrow just there, and we talked about Montgomery in his start. I know there was some stuff that you really wanted to dig into with Montgomery from that start. And I, and I think it, it's a good position to kind of tie it into what his role may be uh, when we hit the postseason. Because as there's only 10 days left, you're going to have to start condensing this stuff. And even though he obviously gives you a very good start in this Diamondback series, you, you know, you're you're not really... Uh, thinking you're going to have any starts for him in the postseason. So, so what were your thoughts on Montgomery in this series, and you know, kind of how does that shape your your view of things going forward with him and the bullpen? It doesn't really reshape my thoughts, just because I, I think you and I were talking about this, but Montgomery's value for the Cubs, I think, is underappreciated or has been underappreciated. What he's done out of the rotation this year is remarkable. He's gone over 90 innings. His ERA is under 3.5. And recently, now he's adding more layers to his repertoire. So what I mean by that, that last start, he threw the most change-ups in one start in his career ever. All right? And he got 11 whiffs on that. The one issue that I think you and I had, Corey, and Evan Altman, and we, we were all talking about this, but... Montgomery's inability to induce whiffs early on in the year was a concern. I think it was a little bit disappointing given he has five pitches, but he still had success. He still got weak contact. He knew, though, that he had to get more whiffs. He said that just sometime in in the middle of July. What happens? He comes back out, gets injured, but he comes back from an injury, and he's whiffing guys at over two and a half times greater frequency than before he got injured. So I think once you get to the postseason, yeah, the bullpen is a little bit to be determined, if you will, but Montgomery going three, four innings even and piggybacking off Quintana or Hamels is something you may see more than you think. Yeah, we have definitely talked about Monty's role and how valuable he can be. Uh, but always good to see, you know, him putting things together in a pennant race, these tough games, you know, the, the Arizona uh, lineup has some, you know, really potent hitters in there. So I, I think that 
The Moro thing, you know, again, I, I think if you were holding your breath that he would come back and, you know, kind of absorb that Aroldis Chapman role uh, for the Cubs like in 2016, I would not have advised you to be waiting on that. I'm surprised but... he even kept him going this long. Like we heard in in August, he had a stress reaction, the same injury that shut Darvish down. So once I heard that, I, right. I, I mean, that that was it in my mind. Right. So, you know, but... We do get the official news, you know, and now you have to kind of take a look at where things are. And, you know, with, with Strope being out, it's not an ideal scenario. But I think when you remember that you're going to be able to include Montgomery in that group, you've got a pretty good chunk of time. You know, look, they have not won the division yet. I, I don't want anything we're saying here to, you know, come off as that that's a done deal. <laughs> But, you know, you do have time at the very least uh, where, you know, you know, okay, like we're going to be doing something come playoff time. And you've got some time now to, uh, you know, again, I mentioned Alec Mills, Brandon Kinsler having some good outings in this series. And, you know, you've got time. You've got time to try to get Carl. You know, he, he's uh, been better recently, you know, and kind of kind of try to keep him on that path to being a dominant high leverage reliever in the playoffs. So I think, you know, again, it it does go back to even what I was saying before, like this team is just finding ways to push through things that are thrown at them. And I think the situation with the bullpen is another one of those instances. And you're right, when you can include a guy like Montgomery, who we have seen, you know, he can eat up an inning, two innings, three innings, and, and you know, get through it with uh, relative comfort. And That's you can, you can make the argument too that because he started so many more games this year, he's more geared toward those long outings. Whereas 2016 and even last year, like he was used mostly out of the bullpen. So right. you add an extra gear to him that he already had before. Yeah. And I think always good too, you know, obviously you're, you're hoping it's not the case. Uh, but you know, if you do have a, a blow up start from somebody in the playoffs, you know, you feel comfortable, like we don't need to turn it over to eight different guys from the bullpen, you know, get Monty up and hope he can, you know, slow things down a little bit, stop the bleeding and, and keep you in the game for a little while, you know, while the offense tries to dig their way back into it. But I, I think they're going to be fine. The, the, the report that we got, uh, today was that Strope is, working out he's doing some light throwing off flat ground um and that they have suggested it is possible he is back for uh one or two games at the end of the year pedro <laughs> saying himself that he is not going to lie to anyone and that he yeah. is only going to come back if he feels uh physically able to do so so you know look at the very least you hope that he's able to get back. If he could have a game or two prior to the playoffs, that would be that's positively in like, that's in like splendid. Less than Ten days. There's, if he, if yeah. he does it, I mean, my God, that's remarkable. But I would also point out, you know, remember that he got hurt in 2016. You know, tried to come back, and I believe, uh, forgive me if I'm misremembering this, but I believe he was available in in uh, series during those playoffs. Yeah, but he they was. just chose not to use him. So. Uh, you know, something to keep in mind that even if he is able to, you know, kind of physically get back out there, you know, sometimes you lose those uh, couple weeks. It It's tough to ramp things back up to that speed, you know, and, and yeah. just that ability level that you were at before, you know, and you know, Pedro is someone who, you know, is kind of playing at a hundred miles an hour all the time, you know, so even if he's 
not dealing with the injury, we'll have to see if he's able to uh, reach that effectiveness that we saw. But all told, I, I think, you know, again, now Moro officially out. We don't really have to toy with that possibility anymore. But I, I, I think that they'll be fine. I think they have the the guys, the personnel to weather that storm. So we're doing, this is like a frequent thing now, but in, in terms of your confidence in the bullpen, given, you know, Strope is out for the year, Morrow is for sure not coming back. Where where are you now on a scale of one to ten? So if if I remember correctly, you were like what eight point five two weeks ago, three weeks ago. I was going to say I know I we were throwing out numbers, but yeah. I couldn't remember what it was I for. Think... <laughs> so if it, if it was the bullpen or yeah. not, I think it was I, a bullpen. So I think you were eight point five. I mean, I, I would say it's it's definitely lower than that. It's you know maybe like a seven at this point, okay. but. Only because it's just you know I think I think they I think they can do it I think they have the personnel to do it and you know we know that Joe is certainly not afraid to play a matchup game you know and if that means having you know five six seven relievers in a game you know multiple guys in inning to get out of it you know we saw them save a game recently with three guys getting it out so by the way did you see I, uh, Theo's quote sorry sorry to interrupt there but did you, did you see Theo's quote about the bullpen. Yes, I oh think more than God. more than applicable here. I mean, more. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't have it up in front of me, but he basically said. Well, while I'm I'm giving my confidence, yeah. you can can dig it up. Okay. Uh, but I, I think that that you know the the issue. The only reason I would bring it down is just that I think Strope was doing a really admirable job in that closer role. Um, had really seemed to get comfortable there, and he has the stuff. I think to occupy that role. And I, I think I have to dock the number just because we just don't know how this is going to go. You know, we just don't know who is going to be in what role. It likely is going to be something that changes on a daily basis because, you know, if you're looking at games, I, I, I you know, Joe has said that right now, you know, there isn't necessarily a closer and there's going to be games where depending on where guys rest is and stuff like that, you know, maybe you need to bring Steve, Steve Ciszek in to get out of a jam in the sixth inning and other yeah. days you don't. And he's the guy you want to go to in the ninth to protect a, you know, one or two run lead. So, I, I, I think they have the guys to do it, but when you, you know, at this point are not going to have someone in there who has kind of been getting practice as the closer for this team uh, for any significant period of time, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I think it would be disingenuous to say I'm just as confident. Pedro Strope is really good, and if he's not able to get back in there, it's 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 a major loss, uh, but... I think that, you know, especially with those top guys, Chavez, Ciszek, Wilson, Edwards, and, you know, whoever else, I mean, Jorge De La Rosa has been playing a big role for this team, you know, so uh, whoever else ends up in that mix, I, I, I think they have the group to do it, yeah. but it, it, you know, it's just going to be about how it all comes together. You know, it's a sequencing thing, man, like it, it could work out really well for them and they're kind of you know joe is able to kind of pick and choose those battles as he wants and mm -hmm. you know sometimes there's going to be days where you kind of have to use everybody and the next day you, you know you just kind of have to see what happens so theo said quote i honestly think the quality of our bullpen is being overlooked it'd be nice if we could have one of those teams that has the best bullpen era in the league oh wait that's us by like a third of a run and it's more than one or two guys so when we look back on this Theo Epstein Hashtag era, my president. I mean, my God, Corey, let's go. 
Uh, that, that for me, that's up there with the, uh, all of our prospects are wearing rings quote from a few years ago, but that sums it up. It really does. And I, I, I look back last year and I said this too, but I keep bringing it up. Now the Astros, their rotation was probably more reliable than the Cubs is currently, but they had no bullpen. The Astros had zero bullpen when they won the world series they relied on Charlie Morton, Lance McCullers coming out in, in, in piggybacking outings, basically Verlander. They relied on their rotation. The Cubs have a better bullpen than that Astros team last year. And they have Mike Montgomery, who again, I think is being overlooked. They have the arms to do it. If you want to include the starters and the bullpen guys, they have 10 arms. That's, that's more than enough in my opinion. And as Trope comes back, they'll have 11 arms. So my, my confidence, I think at the highest, was 8. Uh, I, it, I mean, if I knew this would happen, it would, it would have been a 10 at the time. Um, but I would say I'm like a 7 right now. I think I'm with you at a 7. Uh, losing, yeah, losing Strope hurts, but I, I don't know. I, I think if this team hits, if the starting pitching comes through, they have the guys to close out two innings if they really need to. So that's that's where I think it comes down to. And Steve Cizek also has one of the highest whiff rates in Major League Baseball. So he he can close out games. He did so in the past when he was with Miami. This is I, I don't I overreacted at first, I think. But thinking about it more, thinking about how Montgomery can be utilized, looking at Steve Cizek's numbers, I think they're gonna be okay. Yeah, I, I I think they will too. And I, I will say, just going back to that quote from Theo, I think... That's amazing. You know, yeah, Theo <laughs> with a little attitude, uh, there's really nothing better. I, I, I really wish that uh, he would, you know, maybe take that Jerry DePoto mold, the GM uh, of the Mariners, and, yeah. you know, record a podcast himself or, or get on Twitter. I You just know Theo's... He's got the the chops and and the the sarcasm to I think provide some really funny stuff because you know what we get from him just on these radio shows is sometimes just absolute gold. Content. I would say yeah. though, I don't I I doubt anything tops that prospects with rings. Think this well, one had I mean, a little more on, he went on like w- snark to it. Yeah. But I think that one, like, how do you beat that? Yeah. Well, he did curse on, you know, WGM when the Cubs won the World Series. So if you want to include, you know, all-time quotes, that probably is it. Yeah, but right. I think we have to, I think similar to, I think dealing with, you know, just general great Cubs quotes, I, I think you have to separate out the drrunken post-game <laughs> celebration quotes versus just like general oh, talking about baseball no, no 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 we can't do that we can't do that look at john i Lester's, think we have uh, to do that brendan what about well, john lester's why. quotes Lester, why? but that's what i'm saying if if we're going to include the drunken rants yeah. nothing in the history of baseball is beating that john lester uh after they beat the nationals it's just <laughs> oh, not I gonna happen that. i watched that like i think a week and a half ago that is still Ed, that's, that's the, the best funniest. interview in sports history so <laughs> you, you i think you have to take it back to, yeah, I'll post okay so. yeah sober daytime radio you know conversations about the bullpen versus you know in the locker room chugging a bottle of champagne i i i just don't think it's fair because otherwise john lester is taking this every time yeah i'll post a link of that youtube video uh if, if you're listening to this on cubsinsider.com the link of that video will be in this post 
but that is that is a plus material. Yeah. So, you know, I think in general, you know, I don't know that there is anything else specifically that I, I like really dialed in on in this series. I mean, I think, you know, the, the, it's, you sort of said it a minute ago, Brendan, it right now, it really feels like, and you know, this has changed a thousand times over the course of this season as, you know, a baseball season is wont to do. But it feels like right now, if the team hits at all, they, win the games. they are in a really good position to succeed. The starting pitching has been really good. The bullpen has been really good. I'm reading this was prior to uh, the game today, I think a little late at night now for you know some of the beat writers to be updating this stuff. And you know you also have to remember that a lot of them have also been on a uh, 30-day without an off-day road trip. But Mark Gonzalez uh, from the Tribune, before the game today, pointing out that the Cubs entered this game uh, during the 30 days. They had posted the uh, second-best record in that span in the National League, uh, the fourth-best in the majors during that span, uh, the pitching staff posting the third-best ERA during that span. I assume that Cole Hamels maybe took that down a bit, but you get the idea. And the offense uh, producing a plus 23 run differential. So, you know, again, near tops in the entire major league. So, you know, you just sort of read that stuff to point out, like, you know, I I think going back to that Brewers series, that Brewers series is very frustrating. And I think that, you know, you and I both, Brendan, didn't really know how to process that, um, you know, just because it, it just felt hopeless <laughs> yeah hopeless Seriously, even yeah. though you know around that series you know as we had pointed out they they had been playing well they had been winning series they had been doing a lot of great things but that series just felt lifeless for for three days and uh fueled you know, I think by to, the offense too I, I i think yeah i think one thing that we took for granted during that stretch and it's good to hear those numbers thrown out you know verbally but the rotation carried this team. Like, yeah, that's one thing that hasn't really gotten enough attention. I think just because the offense and the bullpen has carried this team the entire year, and they took major hits in one week. The good thing about this team right now is they're, they're they they could be clicking on all cylinders. And as much beef as our rotation got, even by Fangraphs, who wrote the Cubs have potentially one of the worst rotations they've seen it in a while that's to, to see them rebound in the last two months to see Hendricks look like his former self to see Lester Corey who's been unstoppable I mean really good stuff there to see Hamels although he had a, a little bit of a roughed up game in that Wednesday start all these guys are performing and Quintana is finally looking like his former self too yeah and well, and it'll be interesting to see him uh, back on the mound at whatever they're calling that stadium on the south side of Chicago this year. What do they call uh, it? Guaranteed rates, whatever. Guaranteed rate, yeah. Whatever stupid company's paying for the advertising now. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I just you know we'll we'll see with this offense. I think that you know they desperately needed this off day. You know, part of the thing too is you know Joe has constantly had to. You know, I don't know, you know, where he would have these lineups, you know, in a perfect world, but you do get the sense basically on a daily basis that, you know, you have to pick and choose somewhere 
right? Somebody's got to rest every now and again. So it it does just feel like even though, you know, we, the, the offense has not been good, you know, uh, for a lot of this stretch, obviously Monday and Tuesday, uh, some very good outputs, you know, it does feel like obviously you can kind of see the effects of having to play so many games without an off day. Uh, you know, obviously Hayward just rejoining the team over the last couple of days after dealing with a hamstring thing. Kyle Schwarber still has not rejoined the team, though he's, uh, you know, supposedly supposed to be available uh, for this White Sox series this weekend. So, you know, I, I think that it's, it's obviously very important to get that off day because you just want everybody to get a chance to reset and, you know, just for a minute, not have to be worrying about, okay, you know, how many games has Ben Zobris played over the last four straight weeks? You know, do I need to sit him today or does KB yeah. need a day off? You know, does Rizzo need it? You know, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's, it's really good to finally be at the end of that, you know, get everybody a fresh reset and, you know, hopefully be able to kind of just push forward forward here uh as as we go into these last 10 days i i I do hope obviously that uh kyle is able to get back in that lineup i think that uh we've talked about before how you know one of those things that you always want in a lineup when it is struggling and hopefully it's not struggling anymore but is guys with that raw power and i you know i think that you, you you just feel that absence from schwarber that you know uh if you're down you know, the Cubs are down four to nothing in that game on uh, Wednesday night, you know, and had some runners on, you know, that's a situation where, you know, you take a, a cheap walk and Schwarber comes up and pops one, you know, all of a sudden you're back in the game. So mm-hmm. hopefully he is able to get back in there and we can kind of get back to uh, a little sense of normalcy with this group. But you know, look, I, I think the bullpen is going well. The starters have been really good. I mean, those top, uh, you know, these guys for quite a while now have been putting up really, really solid numbers. And, you know, you get that offensive talent to kind of reach their potential that we know is in there. And I think that uh, this, you know, we can, we, we kind of got off that train, Brendan, for a minute, we were feeling like they were peaking at exactly the right time. Uh, and then that Brewer series happened. And then the offense kind of vanished for a little while. <laughs> yeah. uh, but hopefully we can get back to that. I, I do have a question for you though, Brendan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I'm wondering if you can explain to me, cause I, I see this bandied about uh, a little bit on, on the interwebs here, but I'm wondering if you can explain to me, uh, why somebody hitting for the cycle twice makes them uh, a more valuable player, uh, than somebody else. Cause I got to tell you, Brendan, I really can't get my head around it. Uh, is it one of those teams up North that keeps doing this? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and remind me, uh, Javi Baez is the person they're talking about, correct? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to figure out why someone uh, hitting for a cycle multiple times is is seemingly making a a, a big case for them to win the MVP. I, I'm not I'm not really sure. I, I get why it's like they're hitting Randall a single, Grichick. double, triple, and a home run in the same game. Yeah. It's like the Randall Grichick I, I don't KB, get the KB joke from, from years ago, right, with the Cardinals. It's the same thing. Uh, look, Brewers fans are going to defend their guys, you know? Yeah, I guess. I, I just, you know, look, a cycle's cool, but, uh, you know, okay, <laughs> right? Like, I, I just don't—I'm uh, not really sure 
that the sequencing of of the hit types is is what pushes this argument. But you know, in watching the MLB Network and stuff, uh, you'd think that you know hitting for the cycle was the craziest accomplishment in the history of baseball. And you know, look, Christian Yelich has been great. Uh, I'm not trying to knock the guy, but just something like that really bothers me. You know, if we're going to talk about their value, let's talk about their value. But a, a cycle is a really meaningless. Uh, accomplishment that you know this is maybe curmudgeonly Corey here but i just it's 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 cool it's impressive but i you know i just i certainly don't think that that is changing uh an mvp race between two guys i'd also point out that yelich doesn't even have the most war on his own team but that's a separate argument yeah well who does is it kane yeah yeah because he's nuts in the field yeah man i don't know I don't know. Uh, I think by this time, though, like I said this to you yesterday, like Javi's going to win MVP. Like the total numbers, everything he's done. The- he is now the favorite, according yeah. to uh, some of the Vegas betting outlets. Like he's going to, there's know. only nine games left in the season for most teams. It's over. Like Javi Baez is going to be the MVP, which is insane to think right. about given where he was a few years ago. Yeah. And I mean, I, you know, I think we kind of talked about a little bit of that, you know, when you talk about, uh, how the Cubs have overcome, you know, KB not homering since July, uh, Darvish being out, Chatwood being out, the, the, some of the bullpen guys being out, you know, Hayward missing time, Schwarber missing time, Rizzo missing time, you know, and hitting, uh, whatever he was hitting after the month of April, you know, Javi's been there the whole way. So, yeah. uh, you know, I think huge, we made that argument before. He's going to get a huge pay crease in the offseason, too. Oh, my gosh. Do you um, think he'll, I mean, do you think, do you think he'll get, like, a tattoo to commemorate it? I mean, what is, <laughs> what is, I mean, you know, we just, there, there's no way that Javi is, uh, you know, having a, what I would assume is like a Kyle Hendricks approach to winning the, the MVP award. I like, think I think he, if, uh, if Hendricks had won that Cy Young, you can see him, like, nodding you know and maybe uh having like a a sip of champagne or something like that like yeah. but what is Baez gonna do so i i think he could put that uh that mvp trophy tattoo next to his major league baseball trophy or a uh, mm-hmm. logo you know on the back of his neck or i could just see i don't know he has two sleeves already of tattoos i don't even know where he can put it uh but yeah maybe just like you know right by his ear kind of like what yadi does just the mvp trophy right there I'm all for that. I I also, you know, if they could swing it, I would not be opposed if, you know, when they're doing the ceremony or the the award reading in the MLB Network studio like they do every year. Like, you know, if they wanted to invite Clint Hurdle, I wouldn't be opposed. You know, maybe give him a front row seat. You know, we've got a special show for you tonight, Clint. I think you're going to enjoy it. Yeah, put him next to uh, Wilson. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, set up the arrangements like that. That would be perfect. But uh, but no, man, like, I, again, I just want to point out, too, where Javi was a few years ago. It was only three seasons ago where he recorded the worst whiff rate in Major League Baseball history in, in 2014. Uh, so to see him rise to this level and adapt is truly, truly remarkable. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's one of those things where, you know, when... Brendan and I are doing this, we, you know, you almost have to like kind of, you got to think about it a little bit, you know, because we've said this before, but like we could talk about him every time we come on here and, you know, really more often than not, he's playing a huge role in whatever series we are reviewing. And 
you know, it just, it, that's, that's kind of, uh, I think probably the, the hallmark of a guy that, you know, should probably be in consideration for winning the MVP, you know, that every time you're, you're trying to figure out what's going on with the Chicago Cubs, you're ultimately kind of turning back to Javi and he's kind of been, uh, the pulse of this team and he continues to do so. And, you know, obviously playing a very big role in this Arizona series with, with some big hits and home runs and, uh, yeah, I yeah. again, I I all I'm all I'm asking is I I don't know why you know somebody hitting for a cycle would change any of that, but yeah, I yeah. don't know. All right, so let's review this upcoming series against the White Sox. So weirdly enough, I I find this bizarre, but the Cubs are taking a red eye flight back from Arizona to Chicago. They arrive Thursday morning at six a.m. So that's that's weird, but nevertheless, they do have an off day on Thursday. They will report to a guaranteed rate field on Friday for a one for a three ten p.m. Central start time. Jose Quintana will be on the mound. Quintana's total record this year is thirteen and ten with a three point nine five ERA. He'll be facing Lopez. Lopez is six and nine with a four point zero five ERA. And then on Saturday, they will have an evening game. That start time is 6-10. John Lester is going to be on the mound. Total record this year, 16-6. A dazzling 3.43 year. Right? He'll rival Lucas Giolito, who's been adjusting. You know, former top prospect. Came over in that, in that Nationals trade with uh, Adam Eaton. Just hasn't put it together. He's 10-11 with a 5.77 year. Right? Again, he has nasty stuff, though. And then to finish off that three-game set on Sunday at 1.10 p.m., Kyle Hendricks will take the mound. 12-11, a 3.58 ERA. He's actually been the best pitcher in the second half this season, Corey. Uh, remarkable. He'll face Carlos Rodon, another former top prospect who's still trying to get it together. Rodon this year, though, has had some bouts of success. His total record is 6-6 six and six with a 3.3 year, right? The major issue for him is command. He loses it a lot. Uh, he has powerful stuff. He gets a lot of whiffs, but the command is an issue. And uh, that's that's it. This Looking at the schedule, my, my schedule will not scroll down any further, Corey. This is the first of the three remaining series they have, all of which will be in Chicago. So... This is this is where we are again. Uh, no particular noteworthy trends, in my opinion. It still might be interesting to see how Joe utilizes that bullpen going forward. Uh, of course, seeing Schwarber back in the lineup and Hayward playing more will be nice. Uh, outside of those two things, I think it's just everything else is status quo. Keep hitting, and you can still get tickets to that series through SeatGeek. Getting tickets online can be far too complicated with hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability. It's hard to know who to trust. That's why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person. And SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I always use SeatGeek to whatever sporting event. I even used it to a music concert last week. I can get tickets the day of. I know 
They're going to be the cheapest tickets around. I know I can trust them. They're by far the easiest site and place to go to get your tickets. Best of all, our listeners, you guys, get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code CUBSRELATED today. That's promo code CUBSRELATED for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 pretty simple, I think. Uh, the math kind of dictates what we're able to, I think, dial in on in a particular series like this. But there's 10, the Cubs play 10 more games. Uh, they do not have to leave the city of Chicago. So, you know, they will be able to sleep in their own beds, uh, you know, get that ample rest, cut down on travel time, et cetera. And they, you know, the magic number is eight. So you've got the White Sox, who are not a playoff team, uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates, who are not a playoff team, and the St. Louis Cardinals, who are maybe not a playoff team. We'll see about that. Uh, perhaps the Cubs will have a hand in that. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, you're playing pretty well. You just survived uh, a real mess of a scheduling system. And I think that speaks volumes to what this team is about, their makeup, their their mental character. Did they play perfectly through that stretch? Oh, not necessarily, but they put up some really good numbers uh, in different facets of the game. And you've got an opportunity to take a rest on Thursday. And, you know, then you get to play a, a bottom feeding team in, in Major League Baseball in the White Sox. And then you've got seven at Wrigley to close things out. So, uh, 10 games, a two and a half game lead, you know, it's, it's pretty simple. It's all about winning. Uh, this is where, you know, I think it's, it's been the hashtag for the Cubs since, you know, spring training that they've been running with. And it's, you know, never more true than in the final 10 games of a season, uh, when, you know, half your bullpen is, uh, you know, out for the year, you'll see when they come back, but it's, you know, it's everybody in right now you've you've got to find a way to get that combination of of your wins and brewers losses to eight in these uh you know next uh 10 days and that's it so i I think it's uh it's a pretty simple thing you know if if you're if you're looking for things in particular i I think you know like you mentioned brennan health you know hopefully jason hayward is able to get in there a little more you know and continue to look okay uh because i think we saw in his absence, uh, you know, kind of how important his presence is perhaps something that, you know, maybe we've forgotten over the last few years and Schwarber, you know, just get him back in there and, and, and get him healthy, um, you know, so that he's able to provide that pop in the lineup and then the bullpen, you know, just seeing how Joe's using these guys, how these guys look, um, you know, and if, and if certain guys again, like Jorge De La Rosa, uh, are able to continue contributing in, in, in such a positive way and, you know, maybe etching out some space for them, uh, you know, as we, we insured the postseason here and wait to see what uh, the deal with Strope is. But yeah, I mean, you know, magic numbers eight, um, things, you know, lined up that if the Cubs do win this division, they're going to be able to do it at home, which is always fun. Okay. Uh, so I'd say let's do that, Brendan. Can I throw out a scenario for you? What uh, if you know I love it when you do? I know you do. Uh, what if by the time the Cardinals come to Wrigley, the Cubs will have clinched the division, but the Cardinals will be fighting for a wild card spot? Do you a 
try to prevent that by playing your guys or B sit your guys and put out your B squad despite giving the Cardinals a better opportunity to make that playoff spot to win that wild card game, ultimately potentially facing you in the division series. What do you do? Well, I'm always fond Brendan of ending the Cardinals season and it would be especially (laughs) delicious to do it two years in a row um, while having already won the division that they also play in. That said, I don't like playing those games. I learned to stop doing that. I believe in, uh, I want to say it was 2008. I think 2008. Um, I did not want to face, I, I don't remember if it was the Mets, man. I'm blanking on it now, Dodgers? but the Cubs ended up with the Dodgers yeah, and it yeah. did not go well. So that, <laughs> I, I I just remember. Yeah, I remember know, it too. I remember And it. I think the Cubs had a hand in that too. They might've done exactly what you're saying where they didn't play yeah. who they should have against the Mets. I don't know, but that was when I learned, you know what, just show up and play, worry about who you have to play when they show up at the ballpark. Uh, but I, I, I don't like to get ahead of myself, uh, like that, you know, cause for instance, right now you'd look at the field and say, okay, the team I least want to play is the LA Dodgers. You know, then if the Braves beat them in that first round and you've got the Braves, you know, you'd feel like a pretty big idiot if you were like, Oh, <laughs> thank goodness. It's the Braves, you know, right. Uh, yeah. so I don't play those games. Like I said, though, the novelty of winning the division again, uh, while also eliminating the Cardinals again is a a special kind of something. And, you know, I think would just uh, continue to kind of, there's already a few cherries on top of that Sunday, but, you know, you just keep adding them with uh, how the Cubs have kind of had the the dominance in that rivalry uh, over the last few years since 2015. I wonder if Cole Hamels would call that one a rivalry. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think he would. Although even when the Cubs do travel to St. Louis, they still travel pretty well there. Uh, mm-hmm. but I'll, I'll default to Cole. Um, <laughs> so just to clarify, you would sit your guys against the Cardinals in the last week. If that were to happen. No, no. I think I said, do what you want to do from your perspective. What Let's put mean? it that what way. What does that mean though? If Joe wants to get the guys rest, then get the guys rest. But I'm not cop, doing it. Such a cop out answer. I'm not doing it. No, it's not a cop out. It's it how is, I would it do is. it. I, I'm not doing anything to with the Cardinals in mind. I'm thinking about my own team and and what I need to do to get those guys ready for the playoffs. Okay, that's fair. Uh, one last note here too before we sign off. I I do want to point out Murphy had a good series too against against the Diamondbacks. And beforehand, we haven't really talked about this that much, but his overall numbers just joining the Cubs were good for the first week since then. I mean, amongst the worst in the entire league for offensive production. So I thought he hit the ball pretty well against uh, the Diamondbacks. He had that homer. He was spraying line drives left to right, some of which were caught, but still good to see. Yeah, I, I I definitely think so. You know, and one of those guys where it's 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 unfortunate that I mean, well, I don't know if it's unfortunate, but it's just one of those things where if he doesn't hit, his value takes you know basically a, a total nosedive because he's yeah. a terrible defender and base runner. So, you know, you don't want to I think be 
overanalyzing someone like that, you know, when they go into a little bit of a slump. But with Murphy, it's just one of those things where it's like, dude, you you kind of have to hit all the time. Yeah, you can't afford. Uh, like you know, you're you're not really afforded the opportunity uh, to get into slumps here because you just don't you don't bring it in those other facets of the game. So I think that's kind of why that uh, gets parsed up yeah. a little bit, but. Yeah, so I, you know, I think that that is uh, about all we have for you. It's that time of year, folks. I mean, it's uh, when you guys are listening to this, it's September 20th. The Chicago Cubs are in first place in the National League Central. And, you know, with 10 games left, we are on a collision course for another postseason berth. And hopefully the Cubs are able to lock up that NL Central title within, uh, obviously the next 10 days, because that's when they would have to do that. So I hope that, uh, you know, you guys are able to enjoy the off day. To be honest with you, I always, you know, as we've gone through this 30 day stretch, I very much want them to get the rest. Um, doesn't mean I won't be, you know, a little, uh, what's the word, Brendan, melancholy, I suppose, without Cubs baseball uh, for a day. Uh, oh, it doesn't, I'm glad. Are you kidding me? I need it. So I, am I. I, I but need, I, I, I need I, this time off for my own stress. <laughs> well, you always need time off. It would be easier for you if they never played. So it's true. I mean, I yeah. wish they were to just like hung it up after the Wonder World Series. After that, just ended. You know, my dad said that to me on the he phone did. today. That's so funny that really? you say that. Wow. He he really Smart said guy. that because I. He said he he was talking about uh, something and how you know it was possible that it you know it, it's it's annoying to have things scheduled you know as a joke in in October right because yeah. you know of course what if it lines up with Cubs baseball and he just he brought it up like yeah man like if Ricketts had just sort of said all right we're done here like the franchise <laughs> is over now in in 2016 he'd be like you know I would have been all right with it you know uh, your dad sounds like a very smart guy Corey. Well, you know, he's older than us, Brendan, so he's lived through uh, some more of those those pre-2015 Cubs moments uh, than we have. I believe he was carrying around the newspaper from the 1984 uh, season in his wallet until I, – I don't remember when he got rid of it. I think he planned to get rid of it in 2003, um, which I think is – basically exactly how that story would go right like they're up three to two he's thinking finally i'm gonna shed this weight i'm gonna take it out of my wallet i've had it in there for 20 years yeah um yeah i don't think that that happened i don't know if he kept it until i don't know i don't know if he kept it and i don't know if he kept it until 2016 um I think 2003 was was a tough one i think for a lot of those people that have had lived through a few of those that was kind of uh another difficult one to do you have do you have one of those things where you're like oh i'm not gonna throw this away or do this until the cubs win the world series do you have anything like that so i would say i'd have to think about that but the only thing that i can really remember off the top of my head and this is the the honest truth here um i would not listen to and i would turn it off as quickly as i possibly could uh, the song "We Are the Champions" for <laughs> I I couldn't even tell you how long. Um, and I listened to it for the first time in the car back from Cleveland. Uh, wow! After they how won many, Game Seven of the World Series, it's hard to say, but probably like yeah, something like wow. that. Yeah, look, I think I've said this before. I haven't eaten McDonald's since 1999, so it's not really. Uh, 
out there for me to be able to hold on to something like that. So, and it is Wait, the on, piggyback. Hold on, hold on, hold on. 1999, no McDonald's. Why? This isn't technically Cubs related, so I'm not going to delve into it too much. Uh, we're breaking our own rule here. And there's no reason. I just started, and after six months, I was like, oh, it's been six months. Oh, it's been two years. Oh, it's been a decade. You know, and here we are. So, I don't know. Okay. I have but, like three days a week. But yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, so no, We Are the Champions is the only one. I was saving it uh, for when the Cubs won the World Series. So at, it, for those of you guys that know the song, it does piggyback, We Will Rock You. It's it's the same uh, it's the same song, basically. It just goes, I would listen to We Will Rock You, but then when it would transition uh, into We Are the Champions, I would turn it off. <laughs> that's, the, uh, so, the, that's the perfect Mike Montgomery uh, walkout song. He piggybacks, he wins a championship, you know? Mm-hmm. You I did it. it. You like it, right? That's good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sometimes you're creative. All right. Yeah, that's all I got. I like that. A little, uh, like a little rap session here at the end of the podcast where, you know, we're still on the Cubs, but I'm getting a little more random there for you. <laughs> um, now you guys know I don't eat McDonald's if that's relevant to you. But anyway, <laughs> uh, oh, right. The baseball team that we're talking about. I hope they. I hope you guys enjoy the off day. Uh, Brendan and I are going to try, though. I'm sure, as you guys know, Brendan will find something to obsess over. Some, you know, injury report he doesn't like, or somebody sitting with poor posture, or something along those lines all, that he'll all, all fair critiques too. To be honest, yeah, he'll he'll manage to uh, he'll manage to work himself into a tizzy for it. So he won't relax on this this off day for the first time in 30 days. But I hope you guys do. And uh, let's all just get in that headspace that, you know, when the Cubs pick it up on Friday, there's there's really no downtime here. You know, if the Cubs win the division, there will be, uh, you know, probably a couple off days before the NLDS starts. But really, once Friday comes around, folks, it is go time. It is that final stretch of the season. There are no more regular season off days. And we are headed toward the postseason and October baseball uh, but I think that is all that we have for you here. Uh, again, kudos to the Chicago Cubs for an 18 and 11 effort uh, during this 30-day stretch without an off day. Uh, they really earned this one. They beat some good teams. They beat some good pitchers, uh, and they put up uh, a lot of fight in a tough stretch uh, that I think would have, you know, maybe withered some uh some other teams we've seen uh, a lot of teams even just in in this last month here uh fade away from the playoff race the arizona diamondbacks being one of those teams uh under much less duress than we have seen the chicago cubs uh with the schedule and injuries so again just uh big kudos to uh the entire team just a, a really great effort um and you know i think a stretch of baseball where ultimately you know, you're you're hopefully uh proud to you know be a fan of theirs and have those guys representing you they they uh, did their best to lay it all on the line so enjoy the off day i hope anthony rizzo uh is i don't think they're back from arizona as we're recording this but i hope that when you guys are listening to this uh rizzo kb javi etc. Obviously John Lester, but he, you know, he doesn't need the rest. He's fine. Uh, are nestled in their beds and relaxing at home. And we will talk to you guys after the Cubs finish on the south side of Chicago with the Chicago White Sox in what is Hawk Harrelson's uh, final broadcasts of his career. 
See ya, uh, <laughs> Hawk. Not gonna miss you. He gone. Let the door hit you on the way out. I don't care. Just get out of here, please. Uh, what a gift that is uh, in this season. But anyway, we'll talk to you guys on uh, Sunday after the Cubs and White Sox finish things up. In the meantime, this has been the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. As always, we record twice a week before and after every series. We will give you a more concrete schedule uh, of playoff broadcasting when it is appropriate to do so, uh, but we will keep you up to date with that. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, iHeartRadio. We are available every episode on Spotify, so if you want to check those uh, places out. And again, uh, for anyone still looking, Blog Talk Radio has converted their feeds to a new service called Spreaker, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R, so you can find us there instead of Blog Talk Radio. Again, we will talk to you guys on Sunday. We thank you very much for listening to us as always, and go Cubs. There's great news during the pandemic. The new Hypermax Oxygen System is here. Doctor approved, clinically tested, at home oxygen for improved health, fitness, and especially your immunity. Go to hypermaxoxygen.com. See how 300% more oxygen purity works wonders in only 15 short minutes. You're home anyway, so why not build your immunity and much more? Hypermaxoxygen.com. That's hypermaxoxygen.com.